Well, good morning, good morning. As you know, I always like to encourage you to read the Word of God. I encourage you to read Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 9 this week, especially in light of today's message. Romans 5, 6 through 9. I also encourage you, I'm encouraging you guys to pray about who maybe you can give the Word of God to or give the gospel to or encouragement to. We have these little handouts you can give to people. They're in the back. You go to your right on the foyer up on the wall. You can take some, hand it out to someone, leave it somewhere for someone. And also, too, in your prayers, in your time of when you're reflecting upon the Word of God, uh, let me give you some encouragement to take part in this VBS that's coming up. Uh, Leandra definitely can use the help, but more specifically, it's more of another way of serving the people in the community to know Jesus. And it's serving children, and it's serving their parents. It's making, it will make a difference in their lives because it shows that you care about people knowing Christ. And though we do, that's just another way of expressing it. We express it in a lot of different ways. And this way, we're just asking for as many as you can in whatever, whatever capacity, please, if you look in your bullets and you have all these opportunities, it's just another way of expressing how you love. It's just another way. So even whether that's physically being there or praying for it, whatever may be, please, uh, we, can, we can definitely use, use the help that's come, this, uh, coming up of VBS. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you have done. God, we are coming before you on this uh, Father's Day, Lord, to just give you honor because ultimately it's all about you. Everything's about you. I pray, Lord, that our lives can reflect that everything is about you. God, I just ask right now that you forgive us of our sins or at least remind us that we have already been forgiven. Convict us, Lord, so we can run to you and, ex and, and expose to us where we need to repent. And then fill us, Lord, with, with grace, hope, and peace to know that it all has been accomplished through Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us, even though we do not deserve it. We pray you also be with all the other churches, meeting in whatever capacity, all the missionaries, all the Christians that are just about, whether they're meeting underground or in forests or someplace, Lord. We pray that you just encourage them to know that we are in this together, to have your name go about this world, Lord, to say that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to save sinners such as us. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. And you know, one, one other thing I do have to say. Uh, after service, there are donuts. For you dads out there, dads and donuts, grab one as you leave. So please take one. We prayed all the calories out. Don't worry about it, okay? The cholesterol, all gone. Right? Just joking. But yes, we do have donuts, so that is not a joke. Okay, so, um, you know, uh, do you, do you want to know what is one of the hardest things to believe as a Christian? 
what is one of the greatest struggles that we have, and we may not even realize it. It's believing through faith alone in Jesus Christ, you are truly free. That in him, you have absolutely everything. At all times. And when I say everything, you have absolutely everything in him alone, by faith alone. I mean, look at it, look at it this way. You have the almighty God, the all-powerful God, directing his power in which he upholds and rules the universe, upholds and rules over this world, in which he makes everything bend to his will. You have this God on your side. You have this God has claimed you as his own child and is now treating you and interacting with you as such with his fatherly love. I mean, think about that. God is now with you, the eternal God who has no beginning. He has no end. He just is and was and ever will be. This holy God that goes beyond anything that we can fully comprehend is your God now, yours personally, through faith alone in Christ. God's gift through this gospel message of grace is the gift of himself to you. God saw you in your sin. He knew all the sins you would do, that you are currently doing, and that you will do. He saw you and I that not only were we trapped in our sins, but we were willing slaves to our sins. Our hearts were spiritually dead, and we wanted nothing to do with our Creator. We were living lives with no honor given to Him. We were honoring everything else but him. And, and to give us some insight of just how far gone we were from God and how vast and great his gracious love is over us and with you individually now through faith in Christ. Whenever you read the Psalms, okay, let me give you an example. Whenever you read the Psalms in the Old Testament, great book. I recommend it. You read it. They're great. But when you, read, when you do read them, keep this in mind. As you read them and you read about the psalmist who starts complaining in some regard or, or speaking to God about how evil and how wicked people are around him, how they're not following after the ways of God, how whoever they is, they're not standing for right, true righteousness. They're not standing for true justice. They're just, they're just mocking God, obsessed with materialism and self-gratification, all at the expense of others. Understand that the psalmist there, when you read that, is, is basically speaking about you and I before we knew Christ. Like, before you and I knew Jesus... You and I were what the psalmist could not stand in some sense. We were the ones who were against God in his ways. Now, obviously, the psalmist didn't know you personally when he wrote the psalms. But in principle, those unwretched, those, those, those wretched, unrighteous people, that was you and I. Those people 
where you and I, those wretched people, were the ones that God came to save. That out of his fatherly love for us sinners, he sent his son, he gave up his son to save us. God came running after you and I to give us freedom from this world of sin and death. To give us freedom from the power of sin in our life so we can have rest and peace now before him in this life and the next, all by faith. And truly, when we analyze ourselves by looking into God's word, which we have done and will be doing, and see all that God demands of us, how we are to be perfect before him, honoring him, honoring him in all things, loving him with all of our hearts, or all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, how we are to glorify him and him alone with all that we do and have grateful hearts towards him all the time and thank him with all that we have all the time. If we are honest with ourselves, we did not do that before we knew him. And even now that we do know him by faith in Jesus, we still don't do it very well. I mean, the standard of God has always been perfection for us and anyone. So we do not deserve such love and such grace from him. We only deserve his wrath upon us. We're not perfect at all in anything. But God did not leave us on our own to be condemned. Instead, out of his love for us sinners, he sent his son Jesus to come and die for us, to pay for our sins, to stand in our place and take the eternal wrath that we deserve. We couldn't earn this at all. It came out of grace alone to us and stays with us out of grace alone. Jesus died and he came back to life to give us eternal life, a life of restoration with God, to experience only his love and favor and blessings forever, all by faith in Jesus. Even as we fail to meet the standards of perfection right now. For Jesus Christ met the standards of perfection for us so we can be truly free in him right now. So by faith alone in Jesus, we can find him as our everything. So now, because of Jesus Christ, we know and can know through our sufferings, through our trials, through our pains, through the good times and through the bad times, through our failures, through our accomplishments, and even through death itself, that no matter what, we have been freed from the power of sin in our life. We can rest in Christ's finished works on our behalf. There is no condemnation for us at all. The gospel is good news. God is now working all things for our good in him so we can know and trust in him more and more every day and experience his unconditional love, the never-ending never love over us through faith in Jesus alone no matter our performance before him. We can have a peace that goes beyond understanding when things go wrong. We can have joy in our hearts when sorrow comes and we can have hope through any discouragements that come our way. The gospel is good news. 
when we look to Jesus and delve deeper and deeper into his gospel truth of grace on how he has accomplished everything for us to be right with God. That he has accomplished everything for us also to stay in right standing with God. This consequently gives us rest and it allows us and enables us by faith in Jesus Christ to live out the freedom we have in Christ now in all things by his power. It consequently enables us to love people who are unlovable, serve people who are not worthy of being served at all, reach out to people who reject you, care for people who do not care for you, and respect people who disrespect you. Why is that? How is that? Because you found your everything in Jesus. And you're not looking for anything in return anymore from the people around you because you are free. For your life is not built on what they can do for you or what they can say about you or think about you. And your life is not built on what even you can do for them. But your life is now built upon what has been done for you through Jesus Christ. You are enabled then to be a person of truth with no hidden agendas. For when Jesus is your everything and you see how free you are in him, you become enabled to have natural outflows of interactions with people that are not selfish and not self-centered because your focus is on Christ and not yourself. And Paul here in chapter 4 of Ephesians has been going over this new freedom we have in Christ. He's been getting very specific and meddling in our life. He has been hammering in what we have been freed to as we keep placing our faith in Christ. And he is now stating what God, through our faith in Christ, is working in us by faith alone. So in a nutshell, Paul up to this point has been saying, look, all is done by faith in Jesus. So be what you are, free, a new creation. Be what you are through faith in him alone. And then he goes on to describe what the consequences are of what it means to have faith in Christ, like what it looks like in our life as we look to his amazing grace. So in our text today of chapter 4 of verse 29, (laughs) Paul gets all up in our business as Christians. He gets in our business and how we're called to relate to each other as Christians. And obviously, this should affect the way we relate and interact with other people who are not Christian. But remember, the context of this book is dealing with two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles, who are having a hard time coming together as one people of God. They were divided before they knew Christ, and now by faith in Christ, they are united as a one people group, the people of God. And that division that they once had from each other is now trying to work itself back in through their many sins, in which he lists out here. And one of those sins, which we're going to go over about today, that truly cause havoc with each other in the church, or really anyone, anywhere, 
in our homes or at work, wherever, is our speech with one another. So today's title is Christ-Centered Speech. Let's look at our text. Paul says here in Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now I want you to notice something here. Notice the totality of what Paul is stating here. This isn't a small statement, but an all-inclusive statement of everything you say, everything that comes out of your mouth, or to get contemporary in today's digital age, everything you text, everything you write in a post, in an email, or snail mail, a letter. Whatever form of communication you use to get words out of your mouth, or into the world to communicate with anyone, none of it's supposed to be corrupt. None at all. Not one bit. Zero. Or put differently, there is a standard to which your speech is called up to. There is a standard for every word you say. When we came to faith in Christ, See, it not only consequently changes our lifestyle, but it also changes the way we speak. This gospel is radical. It radically and consequently changes everything about us now. Not that we go off and be a monk and live in a cave and vow to eat off the dew that God provides and give up all modern day comforts like air conditioning. No, the radical is the change in our interaction with God and with the people around us. The radical is seen in our relationships. The radical is dealing with the people in our ordinary life. And our speech is one of those radical ways in which it has been changed. For now we live with this new understanding that every word we say is accountable to God, no matter the situation. That's a new way of thought. I mean, God's law not only applies to how we live, but also with what we say. For he demands perfection in everything about us. And who can say you always have no corrupt talk coming out of your mouth? I mean, who can promise that they won't ever have corrupt talk come out of their mouth? Now, you might ask, well, wait a minute. Well, what does this corrupt talk mean? What's the loophole? And this brings us to our first point. Christ-centered speech will not harm people. The word corrupt means rotting, putrid. You might think of it, you might think, well, well, maybe he's just meaning like cuss words. And you don't cuss, so you're like, done. I'm good. I don't cuss. I say other words instead. <laughs> well, great. I'm glad you don't cuss. Keep on not cussing. But my friend, if it only was that simple. 
from the context of this passage, Paul is taking it far beyond just saying a few cuss words at someone. And what Paul is saying here is our speech is to never work towards the harm or destruction of someone at all. Anyone. Willfully or unwillfully. Unintentionally. I'm sorry, willfully or unintentionally. Let no corrupt talk out of your mouth. None. Not some, but none. So Paul is obviously covering all types of harmful speech, like gossip, belittling, put-downs, unkind comments, exaggerations that cause harm, blame, complaining, vengeful words, threats, lies, deception, manipulative speech, slander. You know, those types of communications, you know, they destroy, they tear down the other person to make yourself feel better. You know, the, 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 the focus is all about you and never the other. It's never, about the, it's never about them. And in fact, it contaminates you with your own perspective of them. It enslaves you to a self-righteousness before them. It, and enslaves you to carry out a weight that you cannot carry. The weight of fixing or changing people to meet your standards rather than God's. To fit your ways rather than his. Our corrupting talk too easily comes out of us to make life all about us or yourself. We complain things aren't going our way because of this person or that person. So then life becomes obsessed with removing them from our life by our words, by making little of them. Mocking them. Or we try changing them with our harsh comments to really nail it in. And the freedom we have in Christ is no longer our pursuit, nor are we promoting the freedom that they can have or do have in Christ. Complaints make life and others around you a burdensome life and not a free life in Christ. We threaten people with words or exaggerate with, you never, you always. And doing such just promotes condemnation of the other rather than promoting forgiveness or the new beginnings that, that we have in Christ. We threaten and hold things against others so that we can control them and conform them to our standards and our ways, rather than letting God's freeing ways and standards be in control of their life and ours. We label people with our words, placing them in some negative group we don't like, so that we can quickly write them off, look down upon them, and judge them as dumb, and not really get to the truth of the matter, because when corrupt talk comes out of our mouth, the reality is that the freeing truth and grace of Christ in that moment does not matter to you. And you don't care and you don't want them to know Christ's freeing truth and grace either. What only matters is that they know you're right and they're wrong. And let me get real personal with you on this. Okay, all right, so let's be honest here. Let's, let us put ourselves, right? Let us put ourselves on the receiving end of this corrupt talk, right? How it, and see how it corrupts. So we can really see what Paul is getting at here 
And you can reflect on how important it is that we have no corrupt talk come out of our mouths and see how corrupt talk can and does affect us when we're on the receiving end of it. Now, at least for me, and I'm sure you can relate, but when someone, let's say, curses at me, it doesn't really have corrupting effects. At least not, I mean, maybe for the moment, right? I go, what? But then I move on, ask for forgiveness, and Lord, forgive them because you know I'm better. But anyways, you know, I would never do that, right? And then we move on. No real corruption in the end happens, right? In the long term, at least. I don't get trapped in sin. But what has created corruption or harm to me, harm in my own life that I'm sure has created harm and affected you in your own life when you think about it, so to walk with Christ in a negative way, Okay. So let's let's be on the, the receiving end and see what, what does affect us to become corrupt. Right? We're on the receiving end of how corruption affects us here. You know, cuss we're here and there, not necessarily. But what does affect us to make us walk with Christ in a negative way. That has affected me, all right, just personally, when I think about things, that has, makes me battle over and over in my mind so that my heart does not become discouraged or resentful or bitter towards people are statements that are the most G-rated language that have been stated to me. I'm sure you can relate to that. See, corrupt talk doesn't have to be rated R. But it can have a very can be have a very can be a very simple comments of just belittling statements that are very piercing that can break people under the disguise and hidden behind the well you know I love you or you know I have a really high respect for you but X Y Z and the next comment that comes out of their mouth is something that truly causes harm to you because the only person that was in focus in reality was themselves, their wants, their desires, their needs. There was no concern for you and how you would take it, how you would think of it at night, how your heart would feel, how your trust might be broken, how it would affect your walk with Jesus. Jesus was not in the thoughts. Your walk with Jesus was never thought of. Promoting godliness was not the goal, but rather they were concerned with your walk with them and their self-righteous standards, enslaving you to them, not promoting you to be free in Christ. I'm sure we all have stories of that being done to us with people in our lives. And if we're honest with ourselves too, again, we are guilty of such things too. 
Corrupt language always makes life about us and not the other, which is the very opposite of the reflecting message of the gospel of God's grace. Paul continues from what needs then to be stopped with our speech to what needs to take its place. He says, but only as such is good for building up as fits the occasion. And this brings us to our second and last point. Christ-centered speech will only build people up. So what you have here is Paul saying, you have been freed by faith in Christ from seeing people as problems in your life. You are free from this and you have been free to actually listen to people. And look for opportunities to help them in their spiritual need. To give them the truth and encourage them to trust in in their Savior and see him as their everything through what you say to them. We are to fill our mouths with words that are good, meaning words that are beneficial to others, that will not cause injury, but build someone up in the Lord. Now, does that mean you cannot talk about sin if you see it? No, of course not. We should and we need, we need to. You know, the word of God is just going to reveal that stuff. But the issue is not that we cannot talk about sin. The issue here for Paul is how we talk about sin with others and to others, about others. We are to use our words as fits the occasion so that they will seek Jesus in whatever is going on in their life. Your words will be the tools which helps them do that. We have been freed to do this now with each other because Christ is our everything. We find all of our security, our hope, our honor, our meaning, our purpose, our peace, our rest, joy, comfort, dignity, respect, all in him by faith. So we are no longer needing to look for that in anyone else, ultimately, as we interact with them. You can just love on people and not expect anything back. I mean, it's nice if they have those love and niceness towards us. But we don't, need those thi- we don't need things in return from people to interact with them properly because everything we need is found in Christ. Amen. So to take this a bit deeper then, by saying, when Paul says, as fits the occasion, Paul is saying we are to have our words be specifically suited with each person we meet so that it will uplift them according to their direct situation, with their direct personality, in their direct time and place. You know what that means? You are not to deal with everyone in the exact same way. For all people are not of the same personality or of the same maturity level. We all have our differences. And just because you were able to handle something stated to you in a certain way or your friend was able to handle it in a certain way 
the person you're talking to might not be able to. And you're called and are freed to understand that and not be brutal, apathetic, or reckless with your words towards them, but, but rather uplifting and encouraging them in the Lord and remind them to rest in Jesus with whatever it may be, small, big, urgent, mundane, good, bad, you are to do it in the best way that fits them as a person. Or to be more specific, what fits their spiritual need in that moment. The excuse of, well, I just don't get them. I just don't understand them. I'm just too old. I'm just too young. I'm just whatever. Does not justify us giving up on words of encouragement to someone in the Lord that best, that best suits them. That's what Paul's saying here. He then gives them the outcome of doing such things for each other. He says that it may give grace to those who hear. And what he's getting at here is that you become God's tool in which promotes and uplifts them to function as God designed them to function as you speak words of graceful truth, of encouragement to them, so that they can live their life of freedom in Jesus. Or to be more specific, when you give words of truthful grace, or giving truth gracefully, meaning that means this, you are giving undeserved favor to them by taking the time to think on, dwell upon, and speak to them directly at their speed, on their level, so they can trust Jesus more. And the outcome of doing that will be that they end up seeing Jesus as their everything and don't end up seeing you. So that they can be built up in him and his ways rather than your own. Because it may mean you have to put your ways aside. When you place yourself aside then and take the time to see what, the, what truly is their spiritual need in whatever it is, in whatever interaction, in whatever argument or jolly conversation, you become a promoter of glorifying the Lord rather than yourself. I mean, think about how that changes the way we will interact with our families, our spouses, our coworkers, our strangers. How it changes the way we interact with each other here in the church. Where the other is promoted to know Christ and his ways and what he has done for us more than yourself. It becomes a place and we become a people who reflect our Lord Jesus Christ who was full and is full of grace and truth. And guess what? So are we now by faith alone. Now again, if we're honest, to do this is really tough on our own. And in fact, you probably have already blown it by the time you walk through those doors in the back. And being that it's Father's Day, you may have to deal with family members who you know that this no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, only things that are good for building up. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Well, I have good news for you and for me. As honest, I'm in the same boat. I blow this all the time. All the time. 
This passage of Scripture is not meant to burden us. It's meant to make us run to Jesus. It's there to make us run to Jesus and His grace even more than we did before. For our Christ has fulfilled this for you and me before God. For example, it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 22, speaking of Jesus, and all spoke of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not the son of Joseph? See, Christ always spoke with grace and truth to all people at all times according to their spiritual needs on their level. He always dealt with each person specifically to build them up. Even if they rejected it and rejected him, he always spoke with words that were good for building up. And guess what? He did it all in your place. He was perfect for you on this earth. Perfect for you and I. So that when you fail, you can look to Christ and know that he has accomplished it for you. When you stumble and say, I can't, you can look to Christ and say, it's already done. For by faith in him, he has you completely covered your whole life. He has got your back. He has got your present and he's got your future. And by keeping your eyes on him, you will walk in his ways. And you will speak graciously of his truth to everyone you come in contact with. It just happens naturally. For he has freed you to do so, not by your own power, but by his. And knowing how much he has forgiven you when you do fail will promote you to want to follow after him and you will end up doing so and will want to speak graciously to people because he has done so with you. And you'll do it because he loves you. And he'll give you the words to say, to have this Christ-centered speech as you look to him and you look to his words here in Scripture. For all is done in Christ. It is all finished in him. For we, in him we have already won and we can truly have rest and not have to worry about tomorrow or how things are going to turn out when we interact with people. We can simply look to him and say, Jesus, you've done it all. I'm just trusting you. And it'll all work out. It always does. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time of, of coming together. Lord, I, I just pray that we all can be encouraged in you to know that it's all done and that what you have written here to us is to expose our sins, to know that we have already been forgiven so we can just run to you. Let us, Lord, let go of our burdens, let go of our worries, let go of our pains and anger and, 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 and bitterness, whatever it may be, Lord. Our worries, our discouragements, let us let it go and just cling to the cross with an empty hand of faith knowing that it's been done in Jesus. 
And you're going to love us anyways. You loved us before we were lovable, and now we're still not as lovable as we need to be. You still love us anyways. For truly you are the good father who sent his son so we can be your children. Not because of what we have done or will do or can do, but simply because you love us. Help us, Lord, to trust in Jesus and his finished work even more than we did than when we first walked through those doors. And Lord, I pray that we can take this message to all who, come, who we come in contact with. And I pray right now, Lord, if someone doesn't know you today, they will come to know you and trust in you and know that you love them. You love sinners and provide grace and hope. Thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen.